Thank you for joining me at Nomads You and I today, and we're talking about eating to the glory of God. What a reminder, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 20. It says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have of God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Eating to the glory of God is simple, but it's not that easy. Information is not transformation, but here are some keys to transformation in this area that we all struggle with in this land of plenty. And because I know many of us are dumping too much food into our digestive tracts too often. And, and I also realize that the topic of self-control can make certain people very uncomfortable. So I really commend you today for joining me in this conversation about eating to the glory of God. So the first principle that we can see within scripture on eating to the glory of God is to eat with gratitude. First Timothy 4, 4 says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So yes, let's receive all God's food with thanksgiving. When it says everything that's created by God is good, I come to the realization that, you know, refined sugar, refined flour really wasn't created by God. He didn't hand it to us like that. So for me, that's one principle that I'm going to try to minimize my intake of sugar and flour and the other processed foods that really were not created by God, but were really created by manufacturers from the good things that God gave us. So then the next principle that I can see is that we are to eat when we are truly hungry. Proverbs 27, 7 says, One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. The wisdom that I see in that verse is that if I allow myself to become hungry, everything is going to taste much sweeter. You know, I like the simplicity of Michael Pollan's philosophy of eat food not too much, mostly plants. When you think about eat food, he's talking about eating things that are literally food. You know, God didn't hand us a box or a can or processed food. And so when at all possible, I'm going to choose to eat food that is coming straight from the ground or straight from a tree that has been grown under the sunshine. And then the idea of not too much of all the tens of thousands of books that have been published on the topic of nutrition and fitness, none of them say, you know, eat all that you possibly can at all times. So not too much. Mostly plants is agreed upon by almost everything that we all need more vegetables. So I just like the simplicity of that. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. If you eat within an eight-hour window, you will be truly hungry by morning if you've gone closer to 16 hours without food instead of eight. Um, and, of course, that's intermittent fasting, and it has shown to help prevent disease because of autophagy. That And autophagy, really, look it up. I mean, there's some great videos on autophagy. It's really the concept of giving your body time to repair cells and such. So it's, it's a great new discovery, I think, starting in about 2016 
The next principle within scripture is to eat with self-control because self-control is a result of God's spirit within us. Galatians 5, 23. Eat with self-control because a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls, says Proverbs 25, 28. I want to eat with self-control because self-control is called an adornment by God because it makes us spiritually beautiful. 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 10. I want to eat with self-control because women are instructed to continue in faith and in love and holiness with self-control, 1 Timothy 2.15. I want to eat with self-control because being of sound mind and sober in prayer prepares me to meet God, 1 Peter 4.7. I want to eat with self-control because self-control renders us useful and fruitful. It prevents spiritual blindness or short-sightedness as long as we practice it. God says we will never stumble. And in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to us. 2 Peter 1.6. So how do I maintain self-control? Well, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I believe that to be the key to self-discipline is controlling our thoughts. So I have found the less sugar I eat, the more yummy everything healthful will taste. And drinking 64 ounces of liquids every day, mostly water, I have found the more water I drink, the more I want to drink water. And, you know, also black tea, green tea, very, very beneficial. One thing's for sure, kick the habit of soda, right? That's not doing us any favors. So that would be a great expression of self-control. So the next principle within scripture of eating to the glory of God would be eat without overeating. Proverbs 25, verse 16 and verse 27 says, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith. It is not good to eat too much honey. You know, honey was the sugar of the day when Proverbs was written. So I think that would be something that we could attribute to anything that does to the body exactly what honey does to the body. Also, with regard to eat without overeating, Philippians 3.19 reminds us that there are certain kinds of people whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite. So let's make sure that our God is not our appetite by overeating. Out, let's seek to outgrow the state of always not enough and continually looking for something else to fill ourselves. You may come to realize that in some cases, the body actually didn't want to eat something or another. It was only your mind that wanted to eat, and we can totally retrain our minds. Otherwise, God has given us this ability. The next principle within scripture about eating to the glory of God is to eat without enslavement. That is to say, not addictively or impulsively. First Corinthians 9.27, Paul sets an example when he says, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He also says in First Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. First Thessalonians 4, 4 through 5, 
has a principle in it that is a great reminder that we are each to know how to possess our own vessel, that is our own body in sanctification and honor. You know, sex is not the only thing that one can have a lustful passion for, right? It can be alcohol, it can be sugar, it can be white flour, empty snacks, whatever. Um, you should know how to possess your own body in sanctification and honor. That seems to me to imply that there is a customization that each of us should do. I have one friend who says that she herself is almost mentally allergic to sugar and white flour because she goes into in addiction mode and overindulgence if after just one taste. We have to customize our approach to food until we find what is necessary that we are not living in a lustful passion for more and more. Matthew 6.25 says, Don't be worried about what you will eat or what you will drink. Is not life more than food? Life is more than food, right? Maybe food needs to be lowered on our priorities of what life is all about. Susceptibility to food addiction really has a wide range. I mean, some people are like level 10. Some people can kind of take it or leave it. If you are a level 10 and need to lose weight, it is suggested to either weigh your food or use MyFitnessPal to track your food, one way or another to track your food. Apps are super convenient. Um, and the thing that's interesting, I know when I've done this for long periods of time, I don't really realize how much I'm eating until I'm tracking my food. And I think you'll find the same to be true. Uh, another key, of course, is to be smart at the grocery store. Only shop when you are full or you'll set up an environment for failure in this goal. Uh, having groceries delivered might be a better option for you. If you have any kind of food addiction, maybe you need to walk a wide circle around the grocery store if it's just too tempting to not bring things home that do not help you eat to the glory of God. And so the next principle is eat in a way that does not lead to anxiety. When you give in to temptation, you are carving neural pathways to make it easier to give in again. And the giving in can lead to a cycle of anxiety and depression. So Matthew 6.25 says, do not be anxious about your life. What you're going to eat or drink is not life more than food. And again, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. I like the idea of keeping your eye on your own plate. And so I think Romans 14, 1 through 23 has this principle within it. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So certainly the context of Romans 14 is not about dieting, right? It's definitely about whether or not it was lawful to eat food sacrificed to idols and giving up the right 
to do so in order for the conscience of another. But I still believe that we can see a principle here of not passing judgment on one who is choosing to eat this or that by the one who's choosing not to eat this or that. So that's not at all what we're talking about today. Like I said, each one needs to know how to possess his own vessel. Let's keep our eye on our own plate. The next principle that I'd like to share on eating to the glory of God is to eat physical food with less passion than spiritual food. Job 23.12 says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, John 4.34. And Jesus said in Matthew 5.6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So let's again eat physical food with less passion than spiritual food. I'd also invite you to consider fasting. God has chosen fasting as a way that we can express our earnestness to him when we are in need of his comfort or blessing. It happens to also have a lot of health benefits around cell repair and the stabilization of blood sugar challenges. Jesus said to them in Matthew 9:15, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. We see an example of the disciples fasting after Jesus, the bridegroom, had been resurrected. We see an example of that being played out in Acts 13 and 14. So this was a practice of the early church and needs to be in a practice of anyone that is restoring New Testament Christianity, not mandated fast as we're in the Old Testament, but fasting, Jesus said, would play a part in the lives of his followers when he was taken away from them. So fasting with a spiritual focus is something for which the Father rewards us. Matthew 7:21 says, Truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind does not go out except with prayer and fasting. Wow, fasting can accomplish something that other actions cannot. Anna is a great example of fasting in Luke chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, when it says, Anna never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers, giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for redemption. So again, a woman who brought glory to God. And so prayer went right along with fasting. I heard someone say once, and I like this, sitting in disregard to hunger is good practice for living alongside all negative feelings. That just totally makes sense to me. So here's the warning against being a show-off when it comes to fasting. In Luke 18, 11 through 14, the Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Wow. So we need to be humble when we're fasting. Think about keeping it to yourself. Or if you are fasting alongside a buddy, 
No problem, as long as we're not being a show-off. I mean, you could even participate in a fasting group. The point is to not have the attitude of finding something where you can feel like you're superior to other people over it. This is not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, right? So these are a few principles that we can learn from scripture of things that help us to eat to the glory of God. And may he grant you victory through every struggle.